sanctuary. Um, we weren't planning on being in the sanctuary tonight. We had hoped um, that we would be uh, outside having drive-in service um, to where people were going to be able to get out of their cars and, and things like that uh, and worship with us. It would uh, have been great. And we watch the weather radars, and, you know, we try to plan accordingly. And don't you know, right now the sun is shining outside. Uh, but that's all right. He's shining in here, too. And, uh, you know, I am a planner. I like things to go as planned. Um, but the Lord has a way of reminding me he's in control, and I've just got to continually place my faith in him. And uh, it's going to be all right. He, he's uh, he's going to receive all the glory, whether we're in here or out there. I just like to be uh, out with our church members. Uh, we're still, can, I guess, on um, stay at home or whatever the order is called. Uh, we're trying to, to be good citizens and obey uh, our governor's orders uh, with hopes that things are going to be uh, lifted soon and very soon. Uh, so keep praying. Uh, pray for our nation. Pray for our president. Pray for our local uh, government. Pray for your pastors. Uh, pray for us. We, uh, every decision that we make, it's not entered into lightly, um, but with much prayer and supplication, it breaks our hearts um, to not be able to to come together, but we know the Lord has a plan, and it's going to all work out, and uh, we're going to be back together soon and very soon. I have, and I, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I, I don't know where my Bible is. <laughs> I think it's, there it is, uh, possibly, yes, no, you have mine, yes, <laughs> it has been one of those days we've got things, um, miss, miss, I know, I can't believe. Uh, we've got things uh, strewed out all over this uh, sanctuary. And while I'm getting to my place, um, we just seem to get ourselves in um, predicaments. Uh, we are, we've painted the foyer, and you'll get to see all of that when we get to, to have church again. Uh, and we are in the process of painting this back wall. We only got one coat on it thinking we were going to put the second coat on it tomorrow. But having put the color on this wall, we now decided we want to paint the other walls um, just to make it all look fresh and clean. So if you would like to come help paint anytime this week, uh, just give us a call, shoot us a text, and we'll let you know when we're over here. We basically live here 24-7, <laughs> so uh, just show up and we'll put a roller or paintbrush in your hand. Uh, so tonight, uh, we will be finishing up. Woo, praise the Lord. Mark chapter 9. If you have your word, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 9. Uh, we're in the last verses, uh, verses 42 through 50. Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 50. And uh, I'm just going to trust that you're there and that you're saying amen. And we're going to start reading there. It says, And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones who believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. And if your hand offend you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot offend you, cut it off. 
It's better for you to enter, enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dies not, and the fire is not quenched. For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice be salted with salt. Salt is good. But if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Now that portion of scripture uh, that I just read, I want to first encourage you church, encourage those believers in Christ uh, of the importance of not only knowing, not only understanding, but applying the word of Almighty God to our everyday lives. We need to know this. We need to know um, the truth of God's word. We need to understand this fully. And the only way that we can come to a full understanding is that the Holy Spirit open the eyes of our understanding. We know, and, and this is Christianity 101, that this word cannot be understood on our own, in our own intellect. It has to be spiritually discerned, meaning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has to give us discernment regarding it, has to show us, has to teach us, has to lead us and guide us. But I want to remind you tonight that we as children of God, we have one who is always fighting for us. He's always fighting for us. The one and only one who has never lost a battle. The one who can never lose, never falter, never fail, never be defeated. That's the one that we have fighting for us. If you think back to last week, I believe it was last week. Yes, I preached last week. All of my days are running together, as I'm sure yours are too, being at home and not doing your normal daily things. Uh, days run together. But last week, Jesus kind of shook up um, the Jewish people of that time. Even the disciples, when he brought in a child, which would have been considered the least of the least in those days, he shook up their way of thinking, uh, realizing that if you do something to a child, right, and this is spiritually applied to children of God, meaning if you do uh, something to a child, you're going to pay for it. When someone does something to a child of God, you better believe you've got someone who sees it, someone who's going to fight for you, someone who is eventually going to take care of it. And see, we are to be like children as believers. We are to be totally, completely dependent upon the Lord. So here Jesus is taking this a step forward, and he's saying, do you know what's going to happen to you? if you do something to one of my children. Now, I find this interesting because who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. He's explaining this to the disciples. Again, going back to last week, what was the main problem that was on the table, the main sin, the main problem that we all face? Pride. 
He's still addressing pride. We can never let and allow pride to, to sneak in, to take over, to blind us to the children of God. Because sometimes we can get so caught up in our own ministry, in our own pursuit of uh, prestige and honor, that we step on other children of God. We hurt them. We do them harm. And Jesus here is laying out what exactly it's better to have done to you than to hurt one of his little children. It's better to have a millstone, verse 42 uh, tells us this, it was better that a millstone were hanged about his neck and were cast into the sea. See, we've got to realize again that we are defenseless on our own, but the Lord will fight for us and we will see a victory. See, the, the millstone being tied around the neck, this was a Greek and Roman punishment. And it was awful. I mean, can you imagine? That's like uh, if you watch any mob TV shows or anything like that, and they tell them they're going to feed them to the fishes or give them a pair of cement boots, you know, something like that. That's what this is like, a millstone. And you think of a, an animal like a, an ox or a donkey being tied to a, a huge stone where they would walk around, you know, and it would take a, a large animal to be able to turn one of these. So can you imagine yourself having a millstone around your neck? That's what the Lord says right here. It is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. It's better for you to have that done to you than to offend a child of God. Wow. That really puts things in perspective, right? That makes you take a step back and think, what, what am I doing? What am I nitpicking, I'm, I'm tearing people apart, I'm, I'm picking people apart because they do it like this and I do it like this and my way is always right. And they're, no, 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 no. The Lord says that it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck than to offend a child of God. We see two great contrasts here uh, being played out just in verse 42. Uh, the first one is great reward for even the smallest kindness but great punishment for even the slightest offense. These should be taken seriously. It was serious enough for the Lord himself to address his disciples concerning this. So how much more should we take this seriously? See, the Lord is holding nothing back in this portion of Scripture. It's very clear that he has the strongest possible view of judgment and hell, right? He believed it was real. He believed that it lasted forever. And so should we. Everything that we say, that we do, how we uh, act, how we react, it should all be done in view of eternity. And I don't think that became more real to myself, and I'll speak for Jason uh, as well, until we stepped into the position of senior pastor. Um, keeping every, every action, every reaction, everything that we view, there's a soul at stake. There's a soul attached to whoever we're 
talking to or, or ministering to, but that shouldn't just be true for the pastor. That should be true for the child of God, that we treat each other with the utmost respect, even when we don't agree. And that is hard for us, going all the way back, because pride creeps in. And, and we want it to be our way. We want it to be right. We want to be the best. And we should want to be the best. Again, when Jesus what the disciples were arguing about, he, he wasn't mad at them for wanting to be the best. Right? He was angry because they didn't even realize why he was there, who they were talking about. He's the best. He's always the best. This is the last night that the title will be this. He alone is the greatest. We always want to argue over who's the greatest. Guess what? We all lose. Not one of us win. Not one of us is the greatest. I don't care how holy you think you are, how much you read your Bible, how many hours a day that you pray, um, how much money you give in the offering plate, how much time you serve at the soup kitchen. That doesn't make us great. He's the greatest. And we can only be great in His eyes as we follow Him and do His will. That's the only way to greatness. That's what we see continuing to be played out in these scriptures. This entire text serves as a warning and likewise a motivation to serve and follow Jesus with all that's within us. Why? Because hell is real. Hell is a real place. You ask most people today if they believe in hell. And a lot of them will even say that they believe in hell, but they don't believe that they're going to go to hell. Not because they've accepted Jesus. Oh, but I'm good. I'm a good person. I do good things. No, the Word tells us the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, right? And that's not preached about. That's not uh, proclaimed from pulpits as often as it should be because sometimes it, it kind of, the lines are blurred and it becomes almost as if it's a fairy tale. It's not really real. But we know that it is. We know the warning of Jesus and it. The full warn, warning is played out from verses 42 through 48. That's kind of how the, the warn, warning is broken down as Jesus continues the conversation with the disciples. Um, he admonishes the disciples. He tells them, um, again, keep this in mind. Jesus had invited a child into the midst of them. That child is still sitting there with them. We had to take a break because I had to finish last week, but this is still the same day. It's the same conversation that's taken place, that's going on. And again, this is a sobering thought when we pause to consider we must be careful how we treat each other, especially those who are young in the faith. Because, you know, sometimes... Someone can get saved and they're so excited and, and zealous for the Lord and you take a seasoned saint, and I use that term loosely, they'll come in and just squash the life out of them. 
Well, you don't need to be that excited. Calm down. You don't have to tell everybody about Jesus. You know, I, I've heard people say that. You're just too excited. No. You can't be too excited for the Lord. I would rather have a, a young person or even an older person that's new in the faith excited. I often think back um, to Dorothy Nathanson, a dear lady that she was with us for a couple years here at Lakeside. She was in her 70s. How old? 72. When she came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, was brought up Catholic. And then finally, one day, she accepted Jesus as her Savior, and she would come to the Bible studies. And this is when Jason was doing Bible studies. And the questions that she would ask, some people would think, well, you should know that. Why don't you know this by now? But it was a joy to see the lights coming on and her realizing that she is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That he abides in her. These are great things that, that take place and should excite a more mature believer seeing that in someone young. We need to be careful how we treat others that are young in the faith. It can be devastation. And when we talk about devastation, the Lord points it out uh, three times here in this portion of Scripture, and he refers to the devastation of the worm that dieth not. You see, there was a place right outside of um, Jerusalem where they would go and take all of the corpses uh, and trash and garbage and set it on fire. And that's what they referred to. They would, but, but in that place, the fire would eventually go out. But that was a good symbolic uh, place for, for people to realize what you're talking about. But it's even worse because in hell... The fire will never go out, and the worm will never die. Again, Jesus repeated this exact phrase three times. He emphasized the suffering and misery of hell. Hear me tonight. It will be a place of eternal torment and devastation. The worm will never die, and the fire will never be quenched. Again, he often spoke of a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. It's beyond our ability to comprehend such a place. See, the rich man in Luke 16 found himself there. And if you remember that story, he begged for a single drop of water, right, to, to bring relief to his tongue that was scorched. He begged for someone to warn his brothers about hell, hoping that they would escape the reality of it. Hell will be a place of unimaginable pain and suffering. It'll be a place of darkness, and the fire will never be extinguished. We need to remind ourselves of that when we're quick to, to just write somebody off or not give them a another chance. Well, I've already told them. I've already invited them to church a hundred times. Well, you keep on keeping on because eternity awaits and they'll spend it in one of two places, heaven or hell. In verses 43, 45, and 47, it's talking again about the duration. Jesus repeats this warning 
three times. We see, when you see things happening in triplets in the Word of God, you better listen up. You better pay attention. He's not repeating himself just to take up space. He's repeating himself because it is of utmost importance. You've got to get this. It's not just for you, but it's for your spouses. It's for your children. It's for your neighbors, your co-workers. How will they hear if there's not a preacher? Oh, not me. Don't call me to come talk to your neighbor. You go talk to your neighbor. If you're saved, born again, you go talk to your neighbor. That's what we've been commissioned to do. To go and tell the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, there will be no end to the eternal flame. There will be no reprieve from the intense suffering that it brings. There will be no escape from the horrors of hell. And those who deny the shed blood of Christ and his finished work on Calvary, the atonement, will spend eternity separated from God in this awful place of suffering and torment. Matthew chapter 25. Um, and actually, Vanessa, I apologize. I, it's, I need verses 41 and 46. I don't know if I get, did I give you those? It says, Then shall he say also unto them, On the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Now hear this. This is a place that was not prepared for mankind. It says, prepared for the devil and his angels. God did not prepare hell for man. Man chooses to go to hell. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. That's the one thing that most of the time people try to trip uh, Christians up with. Well, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? Well, he doesn't. He came to give everlasting life to whosoever. All you got to do is call on his name and accept the free gift of salvation. So when that free gift is rejected, then you are making a choice to go to hell. There's only two options, heaven or hell. Uh, in verses 43, 45, and 47, we hear the wisdom of Jesus being taught to the disciples. He spoke of various hindrances that would prevent one from submitting to the gospel and receiving salvation by faith. Now, these are not to be interpreted literally, okay? Um, they certainly could, but this is not what the Lord is meaning here. Uh, in verse 43, if the hand offend thee, cut it off. Now, it would be something if we had a bunch of one-handed people, I mean... Right? He's not promoting self-mutilation here. That's not what he's talking about. This, because we know that sin doesn't originate in our, the members of our bodies. It originates in our heart. Okay? So this is symbolic, uh, what the Lord is talking about here. And I wanted to read this. Um, it says here that uh, the hand is a symbolic statement. 
It's not meant literally that the hand should be cut off, again, because sin doesn't originate in the hand, but in the heart. The hand, at least in this instance, figures power. What I can do with my hands. Right? We have got to deny self at all costs. Because if you think you can work your way to heaven with your hands, you can build your own kingdom, oh no, it's better for you to not have hands at all. Because these hands are going to lead you astray if you're trusting in what you can do, what you can produce. We've got to deny self. Remember, we're supposed to be like a child, totally dependent upon the Lord. Then it goes on to, to talk about your feet. If your foot offends you, then cut it off. It's better to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell. Right? The same principle here applies. One would be better off to remove the foot and live the rest of their life crippled than to have both feet and find themselves in hell. This is referring to the walk of life that we choose. See, a lot of people will choose wealth. Um, but I want to tell you something. If you find yourself in a place to where there's no good churches around you, but your job's good, your money's good, but your family's suffering because you can't go gather together with like-minded believers, I truly believe this portion of Scripture right here is saying, pack it up and move. What's more important? Is it more important for you to have a, a hefty bank account? No. It's more important for you to be surrounded with godly people. Being fed the word of God, being able to, to gather together, to draw strength for one, from one another. It's important. If the church wasn't important, the word wouldn't say so. It wouldn't say do not... Forsake the assembling of the saints. We need each other in this life. It's, it's that important. We can never allow the material things of this life to crowd out and drown out what truly is important. And that's the life and the will of the Father that he has for each and every one of our lives. Then it goes on to say, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Right? It's better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. Again, the Lord is not saying that we disfigure our bodies to serve him. But here, he does reveal an abiding principle. If we're to serve him and live pleasing unto him, we're going to have to remove some things from our lives. Right? Things that we might be touching that we don't need to. Things that we got our hands in, we need to take our hands out of. Situations, relationships, whatever it may be. We need, to, we need to get our hands out of it. We need to walk away from it. We need to close our eyes to it. I mean, you know the little song when we were little, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above, he is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. See, most of the things that come into our heart and bring about corruption, it goes right through these eyeballs. <laughs> right? We've got to 
guard that. We've got to be sure we're, we're saying, Lord, I want to see with your eyes. I want to reach with your hands. I want to go where you're leading and where you're guiding me, not where I think I'm going to be promoted and, and uplifted and patted on the back and going to make the biggest bang for my, am I saying that right? The biggest bang, but I get it wrong. Y'all, I am so dyslexic, it's not even funny. I can't even talk. Right. But that was right. Biggest bang for your buck? Yes. Okay. Good. See, I need people in this sanctuary to keep me straight because I forget what I'm saying. Then in verses 49 and 50, we find here the witness for Jesus. See, he's warned of the dangers of hell, and Jesus closes this conversation with an admonition regarding the believer's testimony for him. Now, I want you to think about this. Verse 49, the first part says, For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. See, Jesus revealed that our works, our works will be judged before him. As children of God, our works will be judged before him. Every believer will stand before him, and our lives and works will be judged. We won't face everlasting fire in hell, but our works will face the purity of judgment fire, that which was wood, hay, and stubble, meaning works motivated by the flesh. What I can do with my hands, where I can go with my feet, what I see with my eyes. See how it all ties together? That right there, those works motivated by the flesh will be consumed in judgment. The gold, silver, and precious stones will endure the judgment fire and remain. See, we should live our lives knowing the Lord will examine every effort we put forth. Who are we really seeking to please in this life? I found myself today. I mean, I was a, a wreck trying to make a decision about tonight's service. Well, gosh, I'm going to make somebody mad if we, if we can't have it outside. And then if we come in, I'm, I'm going back and forth. So who was I trying to please? I was trying to please all of you out there in Facebook land. And I, I want to do things to please you, but ultimately everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think, everything that motivates our hearts to do anything, it should be to please Him. We should seek to please Him above everything and everyone else. Because in the end, that's all that matters. See, the things that we've done here on earth so that somebody would think, oh, they're a great Christian. That's going to be gone, burn up, woo, real fast. Right? Those times that all we wanted was just a pat on the back so a, a man could give us praise. Those things are going to burn up. But those things that were done with a true heart to please him, oh, Wow. Those are going to be the things that are going to come forth like gold and silver, precious stones. That's why everything that we do, I can't stress this enough, everything that we do, that we say, that we think, 
We've got to keep eternity in mind. How is this, Lord, is this really going to be pleasing to you, or is this just going to get me momentary uh, gratification to make somebody think I'm somebody? No, Lord, all I'm concerned about is, is how you see me, what you think about me. We've got to think, what are we trying to accomplish? Because the truth will be revealed in judgment. 1 Corinthians 3 Verses 12 and 13, they say that, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, hay, uh, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. See, when we're standing there before him, we can't fool him. We can fool people. We can fool our friends. We can fool our parents. We can fool our neighbors, our coworkers. But we can't fool him. And one day we will stand before him, and we will have to give an account. And then it goes on to say, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. See, Jesus here is referring to the Levitical uh, law. Uh, in order for sacrifices to be acceptable unto the Lord, they had to be seasoned with salt, and uh, the salt served to preserve the sacrifice. See, our labor, labor for the Lord must also be seasoned with salt, the salt of grace and commitment toward him. We cannot work with our own means according to our own agenda and expect God to bless our efforts. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. We must labor in light of the righteousness of Christ according to the gospel of grace. Remember, everything comes by faith through grace. Grace through faith, faith and grace. They're interchangeable. They work together. That's the only way this Christian life works. That's Christianity. Then it goes on in verse 50, and it talks about the savor of salt. It says, salt is good. But if the salt's lost its saltiness, wherewith will you season it? See, Jesus knew salt was very beneficial as long as it didn't lose its saltiness. Uh, I know one of my friends on Facebook, uh, Melissa Clymer, and uh, a dear sister in the Lord, her and her husband pastor a church in Tennessee, Athens, Tennessee, I believe. Is that right? I can't remember. But she likes to do devotions, and she calls it a salty word. And I love that. I was like, man, I wish I thought of that. That's good. <laughs> a salty word, a devotion. Why? Because the word is the, the preservative in our life. The word keeps us. It preserves us. So when we feel like, oh, I've lost it, start shaking the salt shaker, so to speak. Get the word in you so that you got some uh, flavor going on. Right? You've got something to preserve you, to keep you. And when you go and speak to someone else, it's not just, bleh. You know how you taste something and it's like, ugh, this needs salt. See, when we, we don't have the word in us and it's not the word coming out of us, it's going to fall on their ears and be like, bleh. But when it's the word of Almighty God anointed, it's going to go forth and it's going to do something. It's either going to season it and it's going to taste good to them or it's going to burn 
You know, have you ever gotten salt? Like I get ulcers in my mouth, and you get salt in an ulcer. Oh, it hurts so bad. But it's working. Uh, Noah, bless his heart, he takes after his mama. He gets them all the time. And I always tell him, well, just swish with salt water. Yes, it's going to burn, but that means it's doing its job. So when we speak the word to the unbeliever, and they've got all these open wounds, it's going to, it's abrasive. It's going to rub. It's going to burn. But it's going to start bringing about healing over time. Isn't God so good? He's so smart. He, he just knows. I mean, it just all makes sense. But then when we're speaking salt to other believers in the Lord, we're just adding flavor. It's just good. It tastes good. Oh, it's like honey on our lips. We could just eat it up. It's just so good for us. And that's what the Lord here is talking about, that we have to maintain our saltiness while living peaceably with one another. Right? See, salt is beneficial, but again, we have to use it with wisdom. Too little, and we'll fail to preserve. While too much, it can burn and be abrasive. We got to watch. We can't just go to somebody, uh, a, a new convert or somebody that really hasn't even given their heart to the Lord. It's their first time to church, and you go up to them and you just start hammering them. They're probably not going to come back. We have to use wisdom and our saltiness. I think about Jason's mom, and one time uh, we went over to her house, and <laughs> I don't know what possessed her to do this, but she put salt in a Parmesan cheese shaker. And you know, the Parmesan cheese shakers have big holes. And so, well, he just like, whoo, that was too much, right? There was no wisdom there in that. I don't know what she was thinking, bless her heart. We'll ask her that one day. But, uh, but we have to use wisdom. We cannot become so liberal that we fail to present the truth and stand for righteousness but we must guard against the attitude of the Pharisees using the gospel in such an abrasive and an offensive way. See, the lost person, they're already condemned. They already know they're condemned. And when we go to them, you sinner! No. <laughs> we have to go to them in love, right? Paul urged us to sprinkle our words with grace while adhering to truth. Colossians 4 and 6, it says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, with the word, right? That you may know how you ought to answer every man. Again, we got to have him to know how to use him, right? To know how to present him. We've got to have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding every aspect, every aspect of our life. So tonight in closing, we know Jesus warned of the reality of hell, right? On one occasion, he spoke of a broad road that uh, led to destruction. That's Matthew 7 and 13, if you want to look it up. And for time's sake, we're not going to go there, but I encourage you to do that. See, we're all traveling one of these paths 
the straight and narrow that leads to eternal life or the broad road that leads to death and destruction. And only you know that. Uh, I know most of the time, or a lot of times initially, on, especially on Wednesday nights, it is our church folk that are watching this. But I know and trust and believe that the Lord will allow someone to be scrolling through Facebook and come across this word. And I never want to take for granted that everybody's saved that sees it. So tonight in closing, I just want us to be honest with ourselves. One, do we need to take our hands out of any situations? Lord, reveal to us. We're saved. We love you, Lord. But are there any situations that we need to take our hand out of? Are there any places that we need to take a step back from? Are there any things that are there things that are before us that we need to just close our eyes to? Lord, I don't want this before me anymore. You gotta you gotta take this away. Because it happens in each and every one of our lives. We love the Lord, but sometimes we just get caught up in things. Well, tonight the Lord wants to, to give us wisdom and show us how to to rid ourselves, it's, it's simple confession to him, Lord, I need you, and he'll do the work. Again, we're to be like that child, and he'll fight for us, he'll do it, but we've got to allow him, we've got to admit that we need help, and then he'll come in and, and help us. But maybe tonight you're watching this and you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, I want to tell you, you're in the right place because he's here tonight, and he's here and available. He'll be with you whenever you view this to lead you to salvation. So tonight, I'm just going to ask Noah to come and just play something softly. And I know you're at home or in your car, but I just want you to take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and as Noah's coming up here, I want us to, to continue to pray for Brandon Cobb. He needs a miracle. Uh, we did get a good report that there now is some brain activity. And we're just praying and believing that the Lord is going to restore him fully. Continue to pray for Christina, for wisdom, for the doctors. Pray for Bonnie Mast. She's having a procedure done on Monday. Pray for my aunt, June Clemmer. Um, she's been diagnosed with osteomyelitis in her foot and having a pick line put in on Friday. Uh, and then my uncle, Jerry Stillman, uh, he has made the decision to take his last two chemo treatments. He had been thinking that maybe he just couldn't do it because that road's long and hard and he's tired. But I want you to pray for strength for him. Continue to pray for our nation for our president, for our local government, pastors, all of our leaders. So tonight, let's just bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to stay lost. But, Lord, we can be found in you. And, Lord, tonight that invitation has been given, it's been extended, that whosoever will, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, I'm believing you tonight, Lord, for a lost one to be found in you. 
to first admit that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I can't, but you can. And Lord, I believe you died on Calvary's cross for me. Lord, that you poured out your life's blood, washing away my sin. Lord, I believe that in three days you rose again. Right now that you're seated at the right hand of the Father and soon and very soon, Lord, you're coming back. And, and Lord, I'm going to be one. I'm going to be one that's ready, that's, that's going to be your bride, Lord. God, I thank you for salvation, Lord, for simple faith and grace, Lord. And Lord, tonight I thank you for your Holy Spirit that at the moment of salvation that comes in and takes up residency inside each and every one of your children. And Lord, I pray that tonight your Holy Spirit do what only you can do and lead and guide into all truth. Lord, open eyes. Release hands, Lord. Cause feet to walk away, to flee, Lord. We know, God, that the enemy has set traps and snares. But, God, I'm asking you to give your children eyes to see. Give them discernment, Lord. Give them wisdom, Lord. Give them a desire for your word like never before, Lord. For we know, Lord, that it is only your word that lights up our path, Lord, that gives us that discernment. I pray, Lord, that we, we shake that salt shaker of your word in our lives more now than ever before so that, Lord, we can answer each one that comes to us with an in-season word, an on-time word from you, Lord. God, I thank you for this time in the church, for allowing us to be still and know that you are God that you are fighting for us, that your love is towards us. Oh, Lord, and that you're going to see us through and we're going to come out stronger than when we started. I thank you, Lord, that, that you never fail, that you never run out, Lord. God, I'm just asking for restoration, Lord, to take place. The, the hurting and the broken. Lord, just have your way, God. Give us peace, Lord, that abiding peace, Lord, until we can all meet back together, Lord, again. We know it's going to be soon, and it's going to be great, but until then, Lord, let us stand strong. Let us remain faithful. Let us make the most of every opportunity that you've given us to get into your word to grow in the grace and knowledge, Lord, that you died for us to have. Lord, we thank you again, and we praise you. We ask it all in the precious name of Jesus, and everyone says amen and amen.